You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. FDNY EMS members respond daily to all sorts of emergencies. In nearly all cases, members have the tools, training, and equipment to get the job done when they are dispatched. But occasionally, the men and women of FDNY EMS answer the call of duty in situations where they are forced to improvise or make split-second decisions to save a life despite the conditions they are faced with, to help at a moment's notice. That's just what happened last year in Brooklyn when EMTs Gary Huey and Samuel Wright were flagged down by a bystander to assist at a crash. A dump truck had plowed into four parked cars and its driver was trapped inside and unconscious. Now, before we talk about what happens next, let me introduce both EMTs Huey and Wright. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, thank Absolutely. you for having us today. It's good to see both of you and I'm uh, very happy to be talking today about how this job unfolded. But before we do that, let's start with a snapshot of your careers with FDNY EMS and a quick bio. So let's start with the senior EMT. Who's that? My name's uh, Gary Hui. Been on the job for about eight years. I started off my career at Station 5-8, then became a HASDAQ EMT in 2014, moved to Station 5-9, and was assigned to 4-4 Henry. And I'm currently now assigned to Medical Equipment Unit. So Gary and I made acquaintance at Station 58 when he first started the job, and I was a lieutenant there. And Sam, how about you? Where are you working? I'm working at Station 5-9 in Brownsville, Brooklyn. And Station 5-8 is in Canarsie in Brooklyn, for our listeners. And when did you start? Uh, I got on in 2019, so about two and a half years ago. So let's rewind. It's April of 2020. We're in the height of COVID, right, of the pandemic. And are you available at the time on an available status? We were available at the station. Oh, uh, at the station. Yeah, we were just finished up at 10 to 100. But we're going to respond to our, our CSL, which right. is a cross-location, mm-hmm. which is a responding area. Then when I looked up, I saw a thick black smoke. And I knew that area because I worked that area. Mm-hmm. So I knew we were close. <laughs> I told my partner, Sam, that looks like a big job. So we started, we started hanging over there. And we have the 800 radios, right. which is the, uh, and we turn it on. Then that's when we heard uh, a call come over from fire dispatch that there was a car on fire. So the 800 radio, you were monitoring the fire frequency? Yeah, we also monitored the fire frequency on a okay. hazmat truck. And so you basically see the smoke in the air and say, let's follow that smoke? Yeah. And I, I knew the area, too. It was very close. Right. So I knew I was going to be there within, like, less than a minute. So as you approach, what do you see? Well, I saw thick black smoke. I saw a vehicle, you know, in the wall, and civilians waving us, saying uh, there was someone inside. Who's driving that day? I was driving that day. So what are you thinking about, Sam, as you approach this scene? Mostly just the, the panic of the civilians, because it's in a, an industrial area. Right. Just east of the station, a few blocks. So a bunch of the guys who were working in the shops there were out and about, and they were very panicked, so you could tell kind of something a little more was going on. What type of vehicle is it that this smoke is coming from? It was a full-size dump truck. Oh. Yeah, mostly you could just tell. It wasn't just a car on fire. It was the way people's reactions were and how they were handling it. You could tell something else was going on. Okay. And so now as you approach, you, have you alerted the dispatcher what's going on? Yeah, I, I, Sam got out of the ambulance. I notified dispatch to uh, request additional resources to my location, which was uh, fire resources. 
Did you see any fire at this point or just the smoke? Oh yeah, we definitely saw fire. The whole rear of the truck was going and the tires were starting to go. It was a good smoke condition on the block. You couldn't see past the truck. It was banked down past, down halfway down the block. Mm-hmm. So 257 and 170, who were located near us, right. they were coming on the, the northbound side of that block. So they were coming opposite of us, just a few minutes behind us. When you're taking all this in, at what point do you recognize that there's a patient inside that vehicle? Did you see that immediately? One of the gentlemen who works in one of the warehouses right there, he's like, oh, someone's inside. I'm like, is it locked or unlocked? He's no, the doors are locked. His work pickup was right there. So he ended up grabbing a four foot metal section of like, it looked like a section of a fence post. Mm-hmm. Gary was grabbing the fire extinguisher and some of the equipment. Oh, that's good thinking. And so I ran down there with the gentleman and we tried both doors and it was locked. So we ended up back up on the passenger side of the vehicle. Right. And so he ended up taking the window with the pipe. This is the bystander? Yeah. So he took the window with the pipe and I had a sweatshirt on, so we just cleared the rest of the window out Mm. and then crawled in through the passenger side window to get to the patient. How close are the flames at this point? Could you tell? You probably have a better gauge on that. I can't remember because all I remember was grabbing this fire extinguisher, grabbing the medical equipment and tried looking for my partner, Sam. It was a lot of thick black smoke and and it was a lot of big flame. That's what I remember. And an explosion, that's what I remember too. Yeah. Everything else, I I remember patient care and getting everybody away from the area because I heard it was explosion and fire and thick black smoke. So what was exploding? The the tires tires. were exploding. Yeah. Yeah. And that's while you're in the vehicle? Yeah. At what point do you now, once you're in the vehicle, start to determine that, okay, we've got to get out. Is the patient conscious? Is the patient talking to you at all? No, he was, um, he had suffered a medical emergency, which is the reason why the patient crashed. So he was unconscious. When I made entry through the passenger side, I I crawled over him and undid a seatbelt and then unlocked the driver's side door. I crawled back over him and then I hopped out of the vehicle and kind of pulled the patient on top of me. It's just a tall truck. Yeah, it's a tall vehicle, right? So that was kind of the best bet. And then got him out onto the ground and then just got my arms under him and just dragged him back up the block as far as we could, where I met with Gary. We actually had the stretcher out, but it was still a little ways back. So a civilian woman, we, we called to her and she brought the stretcher over to us. Okay. So. Got to work with what you got, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paramedics from our station, Liana Espinal and Anastasia Romashenko, responded following. And so we transferred patient care to them. We transported to the hospital with them, but at that point, they assumed patient care. Gary, while Sam is climbing into this dump truck, clearing the glass and checking out the patient, what are you doing at that point? Sam got out. I got out to look for the fire extinguisher. I went to the back of the cab, grabbed the, the BLS bag and the stretcher, by then, Sam was already down the block looking for a patient. So I was dragging everything with me and I made sure everybody was getting out of the, out of the way because it was a pretty dangerous scene. Mm-hmm. So then that's when I saw Sam drag the patient out and that's when I helped them get the patient onto the stretcher. So by the time you're getting too close to the vehicle, Sam already has the victim and is headed towards you. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty fast, moving pretty fast. Yeah, probably within, probably under a, a minute or two, everything happened. 
Yeah, in the, in the moment, time stands still. So I, I understand why you, you don't have a true perspective of a timeline, because in that moment, time really does stand still. During this period of time where you enter the vehicle, then you extricate the patient and drag the patient up the block, has the patient regained consciousness at any point? Uh, no. Mm -mm. He was still unconscious when we were doing patient care on him. Did you have to use the fire extinguisher at any point? It would have been a lost cause. Yeah. yeah. Not really. <laughs> but after we pulled him out and got the patient onto the stretcher and could start an assessment and patient care from that point, mm -hmm. fire had to stretch the line and we're beginning to extinguish the fire. So they were right there. They were only a few blocks from where we were sitting when we responded. They just weren't there in time to help you get the patient out of the, the dump truck. Correct. During this extrication, are you thinking about your own safety at any point? Or does that not even occur to you until it's all over? <laughs> that didn't even occur to us. No. Hey, we just worry about the patient, really, and the public safety. Right. Yeah. As soon as we pulled up, it, we just... It went to work, yeah. Yeah, we, we just went, went to work. Tell everybody to get out, get out of the way, you know, to make sure they're safe, get the patient out, and start doing patient care. We didn't even worry about our safety. Which did you think about it afterwards? Or did you not even think about it at all? Definitely thought about it afterwards, but it was the right thing to do. Right. I like to think, you know, any other reasonable person would have done the same thing. Right. And no obvious injuries, traumatic injuries? Mm -mm. Mm, no. Luckily, no. He was transported in stable condition. When do you find out that you've been submitted for the Prescott Medal? I want to say like three months ago. Yeah. So. It, it was, yeah. We, so it was news to you. Right, yeah. yeah. I didn't I, expect anything like that. Yeah, I, I, we weren't expecting anything. We were just, you know, doing our jobs, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I tell everybody. We were just doing our jobs. Some of the most extraordinary things that any of our members do, they would characterize as, I was just doing my job. Right? For your actions that day, you both were recipients of the Christopher J. Prescott Medal which is the highest honor the department can bestow each year to a member of EMS operations at our annual Medal Day ceremony. The Prescott Medal was named after Christopher Prescott, who was the first EMS member to make the supreme sacrifice in the line of duty in 1994. That was before the merger of EMS into the fire department. So what were you thinking when you found out that you were not only submitted for the Prescott Medal, but you were being awarded the Prescott Medal? Oh, uh, it's definitely an honor, you know. Were you still partners at the time? No, we're, we're not even regular partners. We just happened to be working together that day. One of our buddies did a tour swap, so we, were, we ended up working together that morning. Yeah, and that was our first time working together. That was too. our first time ever working together. Really? Yeah. That's impressive that you would be able to operate almost like a uh, well-oiled machine in spite of the fact that it's the first time you're working with each other. I think there's, there's still a good level of trust there because... Just knowing Gary, being competent and just good at his job. So mostly just both knowing that we both know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You find that particularly in a circumstance like that, you just fall back on your training? Yeah. Yeah. You're not trained specifically on that, but once he was extricated and we had him on the stretcher and could do our assessment and treat the patient then. And after that, it was pretty routine in terms of patient care and mm. getting him to the ambulance and treating him with the paramedics. What was it like telling your family that they're going to be coming to Metal Day? They were very excited. My wife, my wife was very excited. My parents didn't know. They didn't know really what the word was about. Right. So I really explained to them, and 
they're very happy. But yeah, my wife was also very happy too when she heard about the I'm um, getting the award. How about you? Uh, yeah, it was. They were very, they were very excited. My my parents moved out to Oregon, so telling them and having them be able to come out and visit and and spend the day was very exciting, and being able to share that day with my girlfriend as well. And it was just fun to have them there mm-hmm. and be able to share that experience with them, and uh, you know, friends and coworkers. Probably the best part was sharing the day with them for their quick, heroic actions to save the life of a driver trapped by flames. The Christopher Prescott Medal is awarded to EMTs Gary Huey of the Medical Equipment Unit and Samuel Wright of Station 59, the Spring Creek Station. So during the ceremony, Chief Guerra, who is the fire commissioner's executive officer, was emceeing the event, and he's reading a narrative to the audience about what you did to earn this medal. And you get called up to the stage, and on this stage is the mayor of the city of New York, the fire commissioner, the chief of department, and you come up, and a beautiful medal on a beautiful ribbon is being placed around your neck. What was that like? How did it feel? What were you thinking? We'll start with you, Gary. (laughs) Very nervous, but also very honored. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've never thought that I would get this award in my career. But yeah, it uh, it was an honor getting that award. How about you, Sam? It was it was surreal, you know. Mm-hmm. It was I didn't expect this anything like this ever either. So, it was a very cool event and just experience to be a part of. Cool to uh, meet Commissioner Nigro and, and Chief Richardson and see your family up in the stands, which was that's the best part is being able to celebrate anything like that with them and be up there with Gary and just get to share that with everyone. It was it was special. It is very exciting, and you're right. It's not something you come into this line of work thinking at some point you're going to be on a stage receiving an award for something extraordinary that you did. Because like you said, from your point of view, you were just doing your job. Mm -hmm. You come upon a vehicle that's on fire, somebody's trapped. What are you going to do, just sit there and watch? That's not an option. So in spite of the fact that your safety is at risk, you feel like you have no choice but to take action because the alternative is unthinkable, right? But what you did is extraordinary, despite the fact that maybe any other EMT would have said, I have to do that. You're probably right about that. I hope but so. they weren't the ones there. You were. And you had to take action. I'm certainly proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Gary, why don't you tell us how you started in EMS? What brought you to this field? It was actually my brother-in-law, who's a firefighter for Engine 309. He's retired now. But I got into EMS because of him. He used to be an EMT before he became a firefighter. Back in the days where he was uh, the white shirts and green pants. He worked uh, oh. South Harlem. And he told me about it. And I took a class and became an EMT. And then I worked private for a little bit. Also volunteer on the side. And so I became an EMT in 2011. And then I joined the fire department in 2013. And how about you, Sam? Mostly started like senior year of high school doing some um, fire department, like local fire department, youth firefighter things. It was like uh, junior firefighters, essentially. Okay. So I just did that. I did, there's like a skill center at my school. That kind of paved the way, really, for all of this. And I did a, uh, a live-in program in, in college, and then they paid for your schooling and your tuition. Hmm. So I got my EMT through them and worked several years, and then... Where are they located? Uh, this was in, in Central Oregon, actually. Oh, so you're a transplant from the other side of the country. Yeah. 
did that for two years. Got hired on with the uh, city fire department in 2019. As soon as I took that class, I've, that allowed this path to open to bring me here, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't turn back. I started as a volunteer. I understand exactly what appealed to both of you and and why you decided to stay with it. I think that uh, ultimately it is a labor of love, a calling. Well, sounds very cliche, but it's true. What made you decide New York City? There's nowhere better than New York City Fire Department. You can't beat it. You really can't. Did, Did you move to New York just to join the FDNY? Yeah, I did. I flew out about three or four times over a year and a half to do the whole testing process. So all the pre-employment requirements. Correct. All my investigation meetings and stuff I'd have to fly out for and then fly home and then... That's commitment. It was expensive. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of money in college, so it was... Luckily, it ended up being worth it and worked out. That's it was, some serious commitment. It was definitely worth it. So what would you say to somebody who's thinking about a career in FDNY? Oh, absolutely. It's been a great career. Uh, I definitely learned a lot. It definitely opened, opened my eyes. I definitely seen things and that not a lot of people get to see, you know, good experience. I was never really an off office type of guy. I don't like to be on the outdoors. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not a nine to five sit behind a desk job. Yeah, definitely not, yeah. At first I didn't, I didn't know what was being EMT like until I started volunteering. And then uh, I really liked it a lot when I volunteered, so I try to volunteer as much as I can. And then I joined the fire department, and I, I really love what I do. And that's why, you know, I'm still here after eight years. How about you, Sam? I would say go for it. It's, there's nothing regrettable about it in, in any avenue that you join the, the city fire department. They're all noteworthy careers and, and rewarding, and more so just it's a, it's a privilege to be able to to hold a title like this and be able to go to work every day and do something that, that you enjoy. It's, it's tough work, but it's what's really rewarding. So me, is able to help the patient get the care that they need. And when they feel better, I, I feel better. You know, that, that's how I see it. So it's, uh, to me, it's really rewarding. For our listeners, if you're feeling inspired by our two medal winners, go to joinfdny.com. Thank you both for being here today, taking the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was a it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us, to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. 
go to fdnyfoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today. <laughs>